0: February is Heart Awareness Month, so all month long I'll be giving you bite-sized pieces of heart-healthy information as well as diving into some other wellness practices. For instance, today I'll be talking with Kiara Flipping, host of the Afrochi podcast and Reiki master. So stay tuned, you're not going to want to miss this. <music> You're listening to The Purple Stethoscope. I am your host, Devin Nixon, family nurse practitioner. None of the information in this podcast is sufficient nor intended to diagnose your personal medical issue, but there's a lot to learn, so let's start the show. Hey, guys. Welcome back. Um, We have a new Super Bowl champions. That was such a good game. I'm not going to say the winner just in case somebody is listening who DVR'd the game and hasn't seen it yet, but really, really good game. It is February, which is Heart Awareness Month. And I don't know if you guys know this about me, but cardiology is absolutely my jam. I love the heart. It is just so fascinating, so much that goes into it. Um, There's the structure with the chambers and the valves. There's the electrical conduction. There's the tubing, the vascular system. Um, It's just the pump itself. It's just so fun. As much as I'd love to geek out on you about all the questions that we still have about the heart, despite all that we know about it, I want to keep this simple and I want to keep it simple because there is so much information out there and it can be really hard to, you know, sort through what is good information and what is not good information. So... Let's just keep it simple. The American Heart Association actually has something that they call Life's Simple 7. And Life's Simple 7 are seven things that we can do for better overall health. They include getting active, managing blood pressure, controlling cholesterol, eating better, reducing blood sugar, losing weight, and quitting smoking. Now, that might sound overwhelming in and of itself, so I want to just focus on one thing at a time. One of the biggest things that I can think of when it comes to heart disease is hypertension. And I know you all have heard me talk about hypertension in the past, but I'm going to hit you with it again because it's that important, okay? In 2017, new hypertension management guidelines came out announcing a goal blood pressure of 130 over 80. Now, As long as I can remember, it was 140 over 90 to confirm a diagnosis of hypertension. That all changed, making nearly 50% of the population hypertensive. You heard me right. Um, That is kind of a crazy thing to think that one out of two people in uh, the United States probably has hypertension. So what do you do? to get a diagnosis. What are they going to do about it? There can be a lot of fear about going into the clinic and being diagnosed with something new and given medication. I'm going to do my best to take some of that fear away. Okay. So if you're one of the 50% that has hypertension, the number one thing you want to do is get data. So I love the Omron Upper Arm Blood Pressure Cuffs. They run about $50 over the counter. You can pretty much purchase them at any pharmacy. And it is a wonderful investment into your health because you can use it for yourself. You can use it for your spouse. You can use it you know, for your friends or your family members. And know what your blood pressure runs. After you get a good idea of where your blood pressure runs, you can take that information with you to the clinic, be it for your annual follow-up or just to talk about blood pressure. You can absolutely make an appointment just to talk about your blood pressure. So let's say that your numbers are averaging above 130 over 80. Maybe they're averaging in the 140s over 90s your provider is not just going to put you on a medication because you have high blood pressure. Most of the time, they're going to review some lifestyle changes, some dietary modifications, and give you some time to work on it. Three or six months, three to six months is about the average for that before having that follow-up appointment. So what are you working on? We well, are working on lowering dietary sodium. That's going to be found in your processed foods. If it's in a bag, a box, a can, can live on a shelf for more than a week. It probably has preservatives in it, and preservatives equal sodium. So the more you can eat fresh, the better. Okay. Other things um, would include what? Getting active, moving your body. Eat fresh and dance, Uh, make a new playlist, get down in your living room, in your bedroom, go for a walk with a friend, put on some music or a podcast, slap some sneakers on, and just get to step in, okay? Um, Quitting smoking will definitely help bring your blood pressure down, so will decreasing alcohol intake. Um, So there's a lot you can do in that three to six month period. To work on getting your blood pressure down before medication is ever brought up. Now, when, if, I shouldn't say when, if medication is brought up later, if you're not able to get your blood pressure down to goal with lifestyle modifications alone, Uh, You're in good company because (laughs) there are quite a few people, present company included, who despite our best efforts still have to take some medication to keep our blood pressure uh, under control. And uh, taking pills is no fun. I'll be the first to say that. There was definitely some trial and error in what time of day works better um, how they make you feel. Just getting to know yourself on a medication is, is not a super fun process, but I guarantee it beats having a debilitating stroke. I guarantee it beats having a heart attack. I just, these are things that, you know, it's gotta be some give and take, right? Um, I think I was 12 years old the first time I saw someone who had had a stroke. It was my great aunt. And I um, couldn't wrap my mind around that to save my life, probably because I was 12. But even now, I sometimes sit and think, wow, what if all she needed was some medication for her blood pressure? Now, we are trying to be forward thinking up in here. We're trying to be positive, but sometimes we learn from the past. And that is something that I will always carry with me, knowing that um, hypertension has affected my family severely. Uh, Kind of gives me some motivation to keep it together, to, to stay on the medication I've been prescribed, to keep moving my body, to keep striving to eat well. Because I have a lot of big plans and I don't want my plans getting cut short by some illness or event that is preventable. And that's the bottom line. I don't plan on just working till I drop. Uh, No, ma'am. No, sir. I am trying to travel with my fine husband and enjoy this blessing called life A couple of things that you may notice if you are started on a blood pressure medication is feeling a little more tired, maybe having some lightheadedness if you go from sitting to standing really quickly and cramps in your legs, especially if you get on a diuretic, a thiazide diuretic like hydrochlorothiazide, also known as HCTZ. Or chlorothalidone. Both work well at reducing blood pressure um, so well that they're actually first line therapies, meaning uh, probably the first medication that you would be prescribed. Um, Simple things to do about those side effects that are very common and does not mean that you're intolerant of the medication. Um, it just means that you have to learn to change positions slowly. You probably want to add some potassium and magnesium back to your diet, and if not back to your diet, um, supplement them. You can uh, have them prescribed or, or buy over the counter. Um, And then you just get used to walking around with a normal amount of pressure in your system. And I'm trying to think. I think I was 26 years old when I was very first diagnosed with high blood pressure, which is crazy, right? Um, I started faithfully taking medicine, I want to say, closer to 30. Um, I just always thought that I could you know, lose a little more weight or do a little of this or a little of that. And, you know, so it took me a long time um, to grapple with the idea that I was mortal, that I am mortal. And once uh, once I started working around folks who had end organ damage from hypertension, meaning their kidneys were messed up or their heart was messed up all because of high blood pressure, it kind of sunk in like, ah, yeah, probably not something that I want to be playing around with. Um, And it's possible. It's possible to have life and have a good life, even if you're taking medication. Now, I am so excited for the conversation y'all are about to hear. Um, I think two things can be true at the same time i think yoga can be wonderful for your health and i also take medication Um, i think you can be into essential oils and still uh, undergo chemotherapy for your cancer i think you can be uh, somebody who is a praying believer but who also goes under the knife for a surgery um, or, or some kind of procedure. And I just, I don't think that anything is all or nothing. I love combining different wellness modalities in pursuit of my own health. And one of those things that I've recently come across is called Reiki. I have somebody who can talk way better about it than I can, Kiara Flipping, host of the Afro Cheap podcast and uh, Reiki Master, also a licensed mental health therapist. And I'm going to let you all listen in to me and Kiara's conversation and then check out the show notes to see how you can keep up with her after the episode.
1: I'm also the founder and owner of Core Empowerment, which is a holistic outpatient uh, mental health clinic where we engage our clients in not just talk therapy, but other holistic practices as well to help alleviate um, and help them to manage their symptoms related to mental health. Um, And then you've already mentioned I am the host of the Afro-Chi podcast as well, which is another platform that grew from um, my practice.
0: Awesome. Awesome. Well, yeah. Thank you for <laughs> yeah, properly Thank you for having me. <laughs> I was so glad to find you. I follow all these different little hashtags on Instagram just trying to connect with mm-hmm. like-minded women, women who can expand the offerings that we have with our western medicine education. So I was so glad to come across um, your your profile. <laughs> so yeah. What? Thank you. What is Reiki? Kia?
1: Yeah. So going back to that. So what is Reiki? Right. Um, <laughs> I always say it's not complicated. But trying to put it into words can sometimes be um, because everybody's experience of Reiki is different depending on what is leading you um, to Reiki. So in a nutshell, Reiki is a way... you to energetically heal yourself it's a way for you to energetically release things that you are holding that do not serve you um and when you think of um healing and energy the goal is just to become to become whole so when you're approaching a reiki session that Is typically the person's goal. Um, And sometimes they're not even aware of energetically what they're holding on to. So sometimes people will come to Reiki just, you know, for stress relief or back pain or this or that. But in that Reiki session, they're able to really see that, wow, I was storing things from my childhood. I was storing things from this and that that I wasn't even aware of. So, again, Reiki... Is a, uh, a practice that allows you to energetically release and bring yourself back to balance to, to gain alignment.
0: I love that. Um, I, I strongly feel that we uh, ignore the energetic. Parts of ourselves, the spiritual part of ourselves. We walk around in these bodies and we're so consumed with, you know, how the body looks, what the body eats, all Mm -hmm. this and that. Mm -hmm. So we don't don't really go deeper and say, okay, (laughs) you know, why do I get anxious when I see or hear this sort of thing? And me personally, like, I didn't go into the Reiki session thinking one thing or another all i thought was look this is Mm -hmm. painful i'm trying to work i'm trying to raise a family i don't have time for this (laughs) yeah
1: yeah, Uh, but
0: i told the person um the reiki master that i was working with i told her while this is my intention i am open to whatever comes through um because you know that's just my truth. I'm in a I'm in a place where I'm not really afraid of new things or what have you. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I've been raised Christian, raised in a Baptist home, and I think my my understanding of God is probably quite different than a lot of what is taught solely in churches. Mm-hmm. Um, but mm-hmm. when I hear the universe or people talking about energy, I have a, a I guess a frame of reference because I believe that it's it's all related, you know. Mm-hmm. So she was telling me stuff that I was like <laughs> Oh, y'all just you just been waiting for me to <laughs> come through. <laughs> and, yeah, uh, and a lot
1: of stuff can come up in those sessions, I tell you. A lot of stuff and because that's what Reiki is, it brings it to the surface. It it's been you know, embedded in your body and in your different chakras and energy channels, and you haven't been addressing it. So in that session, it's going to come up. It's going to come to the forefront.
0: One of the things that she told me repeatedly throughout the session was to speak my truth. And... Um, mm.
1: Throat th- chakra. Throat chakra.
0: Yeah, right. So mm-hmm, mm-hmm. the funny thing about that was that's so far from my my what I perceived as my problem area, right? And okay. uh, but for me a lot of times just the way I was raised culturally, um, mm-hmm. you know, maybe children are a little more seen and not so much heard and uh, mm-hmm. just not wanting to uh, cause any kind of confrontation or any kind of upset, you know, how girls are raised, especially we just want to be peacekeepers, even if we're distraught. Mm-hmm. And that's something mm-hmm. that I definitely uh, began to release after just one session, like, listen, you know, this isn't serving me at all. I need to, you know, mm-hmm. speak my truth in love. And that has been a, um, a major, a major change. Um, I spoke a little bit about religion. I spoke a little bit about, you know, beliefs. I'm curious mm-hmm. what Reiki is not.
1: Well, I'll start by saying just that Reiki is not a religion. Um, I think a lot of people may assume that, uh, but Reiki is not affiliated with any sort of religion Um, another thing that people sometimes wonder is is reiki uh hypnosis or hypnotherapy it's not that though in the reiki session you are um in a sort of deep state of relaxation some people actually sleep Um, a lot of my clients who come in for reiki they snore through the whole thing and they (laughs) wake up saying that it's the best sleep they've ever had and i always say reiki naps are the best nap. That's the best hour power nap you can ever take. Um, but you're not put under hypnosis. The Reiki master, Reiki practitioner, is not hypnotizing you. Um, and also, it's not a uh, mental health therapy practice. So a lot of people will say, "Well, is this an evidence based practice? Or what, what um, model or theorist did this come from?" and it's it's not that. Though it can help. Um, with mental health symptoms to help alleviate or help the client to manage. It's not affiliated with any sort of um, therapy or, you know, 12-step program or anything like that. And it's also not a medical practice. So it's not from any sort of like medical model um, or anything like that. It's it's also not massage therapy. That's the question I get. Um, We do... Well, I'll say some practitioners do um, place their hands on your body, and the placement of the hands um, covers all seven of the chakras. And some practitioners will hover, so they won't physically put their hands on your body. They'll just sort of hover their hands over that area. But the placement of the hands is is very gentle. It's just a light placement of the hands. There's no um, deep tissue pressure or anything like that. Um, It's also not acupuncture. So though we are uh, covering with our hands a lot of those points where the acupuncture like needles will go, we're not using any needles at all. Um, And the client is fully clothed. I do recommend that my clients take off their shoes. Um, But other than that, you are fully clothed through the whole whole experience. So that's just a little bit about what Reiki is is not.
0: That's awesome. Um, I have to ask, because you are a therapist as well and Mm -hmm, were a mm -hmm. therapist first, what drew you to Reiki in the first place?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. So I have been practicing in the mental health field for, what are we, in 2020? It's probably been like nine or ten years, somewhere between nine and ten years. Um, And in therapy, um, I've worked in a lot of different settings. I've worked in schools. I've worked in nonprofits. I've worked, goodness, in a lot of different environments, and I eventually opened up my own practice, but throughout my journey as a therapist, I always felt that my clients needed more. You know In school we learn all of these wonderful um, talk therapy interventions, all of these different modalities. Um, various assessments and things that we can apply to our client and to um, their presenting problem, the case that we're presented with. But I always felt like my clients needed a little bit more, and I started to get down on myself and, you know, just kind of judging my therapeutic abilities, um, primarily because a lot of my clients, you know, they would come for weekly or biweekly therapy or what have you, but when they would come back, I still felt and they still felt, that there were things unresolved. So yes, we talked about things through therapy. Yes, there were interventions used. Yes, they had homework, and you know, and they were able to push through a lot. But I could still feel that some, like they were still attached to whatever trauma or issue or transition they were going through. And I started talking to uh, my father about it. And just kind of you know voice into him how I was feeling as a as a clinician and just wanting my clients to truly heal right because in therapy and mental health you'll heal the you'll you'll heal the word uh, cope so we want to help you cope with this or help you cope And I'm like uh, I don't want to help my clients
0: help me punt I wanna this help thing heal. yes
1: yeah like I want to help them get over forget coping like yes. let's get through this let's work through this let's heal through this let's so get free. I want to call my dad just. Yes! So I'm just on the phone just venting about it. He was like, you know, have you ever heard of Reiki? And he had mentioned it to me a couple times, but I never paid much attention to it. But I kind of got to a breaking point, like, all right, I'm sick of this. I really need to help my folks heal. So I was like, let me just Google what this Reiki thing is my dad is talking about. Um, so I Googled it and I was like, all right, this this looks interesting, but I don't really know. Like, is this really real? So I went to a Reiki level one class and I was mind blown from right. the experience um, to actually feel and be in tune with energy. Yes. And in Reiki level one, the beauty about it is you learn to feel and become in tune with yourself and with your own energy. So I held on that for that to that for a long time, and I started using Reiki for myself um, to personally heal through my own stuff because I'm human too, right? Right. So I used it for me, and then I started expanding and offering it to family and friends and just hearing what they were reporting, and I was like, all right, cool. I got to offer this to my clients. Yeah. So I kept going. I got my Reiki level two, and then I eventually ventured and got... Uh, my advanced or master uh, level Reiki certification. So that's really what drew me to Reiki. I was looking for a way to help my clients move past coping and really get to the element of healing. And in that, I found Reiki to help me. Um, So it was a a double whammy. I was able to help myself and also give this gift of Reiki to my clients as well.
0: I love that. And I'm so glad to hear you say you could use it on yourself because that was one of my questions. Yes. Like, I'm like, listen, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I love working with my patients. I love, and I'm the weird one. Every day at work, I'm like, someday I'm gonna get fired for the conversations we have. You know, I end up talking with people about all kinds of things. And the interesting mm-hmm. thing is, as a nurse practitioner, I do do a physical exam, and before I do a physical mm-hmm. exam, I do an interview. I get a history. We talk about you know their medical history what they've been feeling what medications they take etc but (laughs) this is gonna sound crazy but when what, what when happened? I start my physical exam like when I'm listening to the heart and lungs mm-hmm. I always put a hand on the patient's shoulder and I do that mm-hmm. for two reasons number 1 because people get anxious when they come to the doctor's office right and mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I want them to you know feel some touch and just know hey it's all good. Let the heart rate slow down. Mm-hmm. Um, let their their heart rate typically slows. Their breathing typically slows, and and it's just the energy is a little bit different. It's not as tense. But I also feel mm-hmm. I feel like there's an intuitive piece to that because what Absolutely. I may not have gotten from the interview um, becomes a lot more clear with with um, the physical exam and even just just touching a person or being that close in their space. You know, when somebody has a stethoscope on you, they're they're pretty much in your bubble. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so I've, I've often thought about that. And often I have conversations with people where we move from the physical and the health and all of that and talk about, you know other things spirituality and, mm-hmm. and beliefs and and how we're really doing and and we end up crying a lot of the time I get flowers and cards yeah. later but it's like who goes into the clinic and thinks they're going to end up crying with somebody um but you know you make a good point
1: that what I hear you saying is the mind body spirit connection is all connected how can you come in for a physical and talk about the body without incorporating the mind and spirit. It's all interconnected.
0: Yeah, it absolutely is interconnected. And I'm just loving the fact that, you know, people like you and I who are, you know, traditionally trained, can also Uh incorporate other practices and and other ideas into the evidence-based work that we do because therapy is Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm evidence-based. Nursing practice is evidence-based, but we can also Mm -hmm. hold space for some of these um, other adjuncts to therapy and Mm -hmm. healing. I am... um, I'm curious how long it took you to go from this journey and and shout out to your dad, oh my gosh, I'm a daddy's girl too. Yes. And <laughs> I just love how fathers are just like, listen, <laughs> check this out. yeah, not not forcing anything, <laughs> but but look into it, okay? Mm-hmm.
1: Yep, <laughs> he kept hitting it every now and then. And I'm like, let me Google and see what Reiki is. What mm-hmm. is the
0: thing. <laughs> and how long did it take you to go from your level one? to your master is there is it like a program or is it like a self-paced thing for people
1: Um so for me it took me a year Okay Um and it's not set up in a way where you go um like you enroll you enroll in Reiki training and it just takes you through 1 2 and 3 uh-huh. you have to sign up so a, a Reiki master or a Reiki trainer will typically Set up different level trainings throughout the year. So, like for me, I offer levels one, two, and master, and I, I spread them out. Over the years. So you can take Reiki one and maybe three or four months later, I'll take Reiki two. But sometimes people aren't ready for level two yet. Right. And they'll say, okay, Kira I'll skip this level two. And the next time you offer level two, I'll catch it that time. And then they'll come to that too. And then maybe they'll say, you know what, I'm not ready for masses yet. I'll catch you next time when you do it. So yeah. it's, it's more so self-paced. Got it. Yeah. Um, but for me, I did um, go back to back, and I feel like between levels one and two, there was a three-month break. And then between two and master's, I feel like there was maybe a six six to eight-month um, in-between break. And it's really good to have those breaks because whew, the impact <laughs> of Reiki between the levels is, is truly one that you would not want to rush through. Once you get level yeah. one, you really want to sit with that. Um, and sit with your newfound insight. Uh, It's it's a lot and then you can decide. Some people are fine at level one. They're like, I'm cool, this is good, you know and then when you're ready to increase your practice there's level two and then again there's the master's training and that's really set up for those who maybe have a desire to um, deepen their practice of Reiki or maybe teach Reiki to others, be able to attune others, so that's really what that um, training is set up for. I see. But for me, it took me about a, about a year.
0: And it's all in person, correct? Like there's not a online I deal. I
1: have, or... yeah, so I have heard of people getting their Reiki training online. I've heard of it. I personally got mine in person. I personally offer all of my trainings in person. I see. Um, I did have somebody reach out who was already level one that got their level one online and wanted to come to my level two, but I I do know some people offer it online.
0: I see. I see. Mm -hmm. So, can you give an example? um, And and I understand patient privacy, so I'm I'm not asking you to be specific. Uh But can you give an example of how adding Reiki to therapy helped a client or um, how it helps clients to get to the next layer of what it is that they're dealing with? And I'll tell you this. I've tried Mm -hmm. therapy multiple times, and I get frustrated Mm -hmm. because I don't want to just talk about my problems. I don't want to just sit here and Mm -hmm. rehash and talk about these things that are difficult. Like, I want tools. I want, like Mm -hmm. you said, I don't want to cope. I want to get free. So do you have any Mm -hmm. examples of how Reiki took therapy to the next level for your clients?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So I can give a a general one, just a lot of our clients that we see are dealing with some sort of trauma, right? So let's take a client that is dealing with some sort of sexual trauma. So she'll come in, she will receive probably some form of talk therapy, a a trauma-informed CBT, or, you know, work through some um, group therapy and things like that, or Individual therapy in regards to her experience of of trauma, of sexual trauma. So that's her verbally processing it. Um, That's her mentally as well getting through that experience. But on an energetic level, the body does not forget. You know, the body remembers what the mind forgets. So you may think, oh, yeah, I'm over it. I went to therapy. I pushed past it. I'm good now. I'm better but my stomach hurts all the time or I'm dealing with um, um, Crohn's Crohn's disease or, you know, I'm dealing with some type of abdominal something, you know. So you're verbally saying, you know, you're over it, you went through therapy about it, but your body energetically has still stored that experience. So when you add Reiki on top of traditional talk therapy, that's what I'm talking about, taking clients from Coping with their their traumas, their issues, to now healing. Because, and I'm not going to take anything away from therapy. I'm a therapist first. I truly believe in therapy. But I also believe, as clinicians, we need to provide our clients with another means, another way, to move away from coping to healing. So when she then adds Reiki on top of that trauma-informed CBT that her therapist is helping her through, she's now able to release that traumatic experience energetically that? from her root chakra, her sacral chakra, her, mm-hmm. chakra, her solar plexus, mm-hmm. all of that. And what I have seen in my client is that they come in and they're talking through issues, but because we're a holistic practice, we ask for, Health. We want to know how are you doing health-wise? Are there any physical ailments you're dealing with? And nine times out of ten, I can tell you, Devin. Come on. What they talk about they're going through physically with their health, I'm able to pinpoint, yep, is that chakra? Is that chakra? Yep, uh uh-huh, it's connected to that. Like, I'm in my head, like, with my little chakra chart. Drawing the line. So again, when you add that energy healing piece to that talk therapy, clients are able to release. Sometimes clients come into Reiki and and they'll they'll cry. And that's a sign of energetic release. Sometimes their body may twitch or they'll move in a certain area where that chakra is opening and literally releasing what the body has stored there. So I've had reports from clients that has gone, you know, has alleviated symptoms um, in regards to their physical health issues because they're, again, talking through it but energetically releasing it as well because when they get up and they get, get from your couch... And get in the car, yeah. They may feel like, Oh, I'm glad I could get that out, but my stomach still hurt though. Right. Like, you're still holding on to
0: everything we just talked about, yeah. So, yeah, it's just
1: been a blessing wow. to really see clients heal, mm-hmm. it, it's just been amazing.
0: I have to say, on the flip side of that, from the medical mm-hmm. end, same thing. I um, I work yeah. right now, my day job is in a cardiology practice, I love cardiology. Uh, Mm -hmm. I'm every bit as much scientist as I am, dreamer. (laughs) (laughs) And um, there is a condition called Cardiomyopathy, and basically, what happens mm-hmm. is the heart muscle gets weak because, mm. um, for several different reasons, there's several different things that can cause cardiomyopathy, but stress is one of them. And so, when we mm-hmm. get these people who tend to have no um, past cardiac history, or they're fit, or they're young, or they just don't fit the mm-hmm. model, you know, mm-hmm. they're not alcoholic, they're not obese, they're not hypertensive they don't have sleep apnea but suddenly their heart stopped functioning well and they got really short of breath and came to the hospital which is typically what happens mm. folks can't breathe heart's not pumping while they come in and so I see them and follow up in the clinic mm-hmm. and I always you know have to ask okay tell me what was going on in your life the 6 months yep, leading yep. up to this And I have heard stories about caring for dying parents. I've heard stories Mm -hmm. about children being on drugs. I've heard, you know, patients will talk about all these different things becoming the caregivers for a grandchild, you know. So here -hmm. they are living their nice retired life. Now they got an 18-month-old to look after and all the things that go with it. But just like you, and it's really funny with the men, with the men, um, they Mm -hmm. will look at me and it's almost like they hold this gaze for a moment like why are you asking me this don't nobody ask me how Uh -uh." I'm feeling nobody's asking you know but after that moment here comes the story and so I just I think that's also why I was so excited to find you and looking for this because I'm like there is more to this there is more to it than just pills and potions and Mm -hmm. you know um, but yeah, just like nine times out of ten, I'm telling you what, and it's wild because we have a system that will send you to 13 specialists. You can mm-hmm. get all the way mm-hmm. to sur- uh, on a surgical table. You know, yeah. for uh, one of my favorite um, terms when it comes to surgery is exploratory. You know, you can mm. end up on the surgical table for an exploratory abdominal surgery like, you know what, we can't figure this out, but we're just going to go in and look and see what we find. Yeah. I mean, come on. We can do better mm. than that. Before we get to that point, yeah. we can take a step back and say, all right, what's going on in our lives? You know, mm-hmm. um, if the physical is but always... yeah. you
1: know, yeah. I-, I sometimes find that that takes time and everybody is just so busy ripping one in here and there that we don't set up mindful moments for ourselves Mm -hmm. you know it's like oh I got a headache where's the Tylenol no I have a headache let me sit down I've been stressed at work I've been stressed taking care of the household let me just sit down for five minutes and close my eyes and really connect with myself to see why I really have this headache Mm -hmm. and I can promise you if you really sit down and connect I bet you when you open your eyes that headache will be gone but we don't want to sit down and do that we want to just go in the medicine cabinet and find the Advil and pop it and keep going with our stressful lives but when we take those moments for self-care I always tell people you know your alarm goes off in the morning and you hit snooze and then it goes off again, and you're like, oh, gosh, guys, I got to get up now. And then you get up, and your day goes, 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 goes. And you get home, you're exhausted, you eat dinner, and you go to bed. Like, when did you take a moment to check on self? Yeah. And your body is probably experiencing these things and trying to talk to you and tell you what's going on, but you're so busy and you're running that you can't even hear what your body is trying to tell you. Yeah. So we have to slow down, even mm-hmm. if it's five minutes. Set your alarm for ten minutes in advance. If you need to get up at six, set it for five forty. Set it for five fifty, and yep. when that alarm goes up. Get up, do a stretch, sit down, connect with self first. Yeah. Or have a mindful lunch break or a mindful moment before bed. But we have to find time to check in yeah. with self because our body is communicating with us. It's trying to tell us what I we tell need to hear
0: all the time. Pain, <laughs> pain is a symptom. It's not Mm -hmm. a condition. Pain is not a condition. It's a symptom. And when we feel pain, we have to do exactly what you're saying. You know, what is this a symptom of? Yes. Yes. I love that. I have been uh, recently incorporated. I, I just revamped my whole morning routine. I love uh-huh. yoga, yoga. Green book. Um, I love what mm-hmm. Carla Christine is doing on there, um, and there's a like a ten minute morning yoga practice. I've been doing mm-hmm. that, and you know um, we have to disconnect from these phones too, because a lot of times, uh-huh. yes. you know, the mindful moments that we had as kids. Those are gone now because we always have something we can grab and look at and distract ourselves with. Mm-hmm. Turn that thing mm-hmm. off, flip it upside down. You know what will we do without them? Yep. Um, um, I have loved this conversation. I could talk with you forever. <laughs> <laughs> I have one more question, Bye-bye. and then I want yeah, you sure. to tell everybody what's coming up for you because that's very exciting too. But you, ah, know- nice. You mentioned chakras a couple of times. I've mentioned chakras. And I'm not sure that the listeners, um, because I am a nurse practitioner and this is a (laughs) a health podcast for the most part, Um, what exactly are you talking about when you say chakras? Sure.
1: So chakras are our energy uh, points, our energy channels within our body. So there's seven main ones. There's a ton of others, but... Uh, for the sake of this conversation, there there are seven, and they run right up and down um, the mid of our body, but they do expand out into our arms, our hands, our fingers, our feet, and our toes. Um, and again, those are just the, the energy channels within our bodies um, that govern and store and release different things that we experience throughout life.
0: Thank you. Thank you for clarifying. Yeah, sure. And I know you have some exciting news, Kiara. Where can listeners uh, find you yeah. in the East Street? So
1: <laughs> there's so much going on. So on the core empowerment side, on the uh, on the side where my mental health practice is, um, I have a training that is specifically designed for those in um, the health field who want to start incorporating Reiki, healing touch, or any other type of energetic work into their practice with clients. So I've had two cohorts so far, and I'm on to my third cohort, Um, and that has just been a joy, again, to watch those in the mental health field, those in the health field who want to incorporate Reiki. And I find that there's a lot of um, health professionals that are, Reiki practitioners, and they didn't know they could even combine Reiki with with the work that they're already doing with their clients, or they may want to, but they're like, how the heck do I do it? Um, So I actually have a training that is specifically for health professionals who want to incorporate Reiki, who want to incorporate energy practices into the work that they're doing with clients. Um, So that's exciting. That is coming up on the private practice end. Um, On the Afro-Chi end, we have a uh, new directory that we are developing. And it's just a way for um, African-American females who are in the field of energy work or who want to learn more about energy work. It's really a platform, a network for us to all connect. There's a directory where energy healers can enter themselves into the directory so Therefore, women who are out there looking for um, holistic practices can easily locate their offerings, their businesses, their services. Um, And then, of course, there is the Afro-Chi podcast, which I am super, super, super excited about. (laughs) Um, The guests are amazing. And on the podcast, we feature um, African-American female healers. And when I say healers, like there are there is so much to talk about in regards to healing and energy work. So that podcast is really to highlight the different work that these women are doing and how specifically energy healing is set up to really benefit black women.
0: So grateful so that for you. Is a- About it, (laughs) yes. Yes, I'm just so grateful for you stepping into this. Thank you, thank you, thank you. It can be so hard when we are conditioned to do things a certain way because they've always been done this way uh-huh. and therapy is uh-huh. therapy and you know medicine is medicine but I just love this generation of people who are saying you know what I can do this and this and I can believe yes. this and this um, I just love it yes. so much I'm so excited for you and I can't wait to tune into the Afro Chi podcast
1: thank you so um, much yeah
0: no thank you because because what you said you said you're not that much of a unicorn girl let me tell you something you are that much of a unicorn for somebody like oh. me up here in the Pacific Northwest finding a kiara is like finding a unicorn and so the fact oh, that wow. you thank have you. well it's true you're welcome but the fact that you have brought these people together to do the podcast to create the directory I just think that the ripple effect and the lives that will be touched the people who will be connected and empowered is just going to be so awesome thank you so much for your time thank today you. And thank you, as always, for listening. Don't forget to check out the show notes for links to how you can purchase a blood pressure cuff, as well as how you can keep up with Kiara. I'll be back next week. Until then, eat fresh and dance. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Purple Stethoscope, I'm your host Devin Nixon, family nurse practitioner. You can find me on social media at D the NP. That's on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and now Patreon. If you liked what you heard, go ahead and share this episode and then head over to Patreon to see how you can further support this work.